This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Open your Bibles, Second Chronicles, chapter fifteen. We will get here. We'll go over some review. Very. We'll go over some review. And we've been talking about how we started last week. The subject of the assurance of God's presence. The assurance of God's presence. And and I told you the overall theme of this is peace. Church, we need peace. And when I say church, we need peace, that means you have to have peace individually. You are the church. You, You hear me? Because after all, we are in his kingdom. And the kingdom is not in meat and drink, but the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. We should have peace. And not only that, our Savior is called the Prince of Peace. And so if nothing else, we should have righteousness, peace, and joy in our lives. Now, I told you I've, I've come across different definitions of peace, but there's one that stands out. But, but I told you, I said, peace is stability in time of trouble. Stability in time of trouble. I told you that peace is freedom from debilitating thoughts. Now, now to me, here's the thing about peace. Peace and patience are so intertwined sometimes, I even get the two confused. Uh, in my mind, right? Peace. Because... Peace is peace is what you got going on the on the inside, and patience is the application because of what you have going on on the inside. See, patience. When I have peace, I can apply patience. Okay, and without peace, I will have a hard time with patience. Oh my goodness! You know that's good. That is good information to have. Because, you know, you can't pray to God for patience. You know what you need for patience? To have your patience worked. So if you want more patience, we'll get your patience worked. But you can pray for peace. Amen. I'm sorry, but but some people, and I know that you're the best Christians ever known to mankind, but some believers sometimes have a hard time with this thing called patience. But I want you to know that what you need and what you're probably missing could be is peace. And if you had peace, if you had an internal stability in time of trouble, you can apply patience. If you were not debilitated by thoughts, you could apply patience. But to me, they're so intertwined. See, see pa- peace is what's going on on the inside. Patience is the application. Because I have what's going on. So, so my actions are based off of what I have going on on the inside. Now, let, let me tell you, you can fake patience for a little while. Amen. <laughs> hey, you can fake patience for a little while, but you need some fuel for that patience to keep going. Because you know why it's called patience. 
because it seems like it's never going to leave. And you need fuel to stand when your patience is tried and peace is part of that fuel. Amen. Do you hear God speak to us? Church, we have need of peace because we are called to apply patience. And the thing about patience is you have to understand, this is why I said this about peace, this is why I say they're so intertwined. You can't, in my mind, this is just me talking, you can go ahead and call it peace if you never have any possibility of fear, any possibility of anxiety, any possibility of unrest. If you never have those, if everything is right, all the bills are paid, you, you know, the, uh, the family is right and everything is coming in on time the way it's supposed to be coming and every word from God is you're blessed and, and uh, you're never doing anything wrong, then yeah, it's easy to call that peace, but what good is that? But we will have storms in this life. We will have challenges. There is an adversary. And we are called in the times when we are tried. Think it not strange, my brother. When you enter into diverse temptations, trials, and tests. Knowing that the trying of your faith works patience. But let patience have her perfect work. Do you hear me, church? When we say we're moving forward, moving forward does not mean the road will be smooth. Moving forward is be prepared. And we understand we're going to have to have patience somewhere along the line. So let's get peace now and let's hold on to peace. We said peace is stability in time of trouble. Freedom from debilitating thoughts. Wow. And peace, we said, makes way for patience. Again, in my mind, they're just so hard to separate. And then we said, and this is the definition that gets me because it is just so... Sound, and as I look through the scriptures, it just confirms it and confirms it and confirms it. But it is to have God with us and us be with God. That's peace. Oh, my goodness, that is just wonderful. Because that, in, to me, that encapsulates it all. That encapsulates my stability. That encapsulates why I have freedom from debilitating thoughts. Not that there are not opportunities. But when the opportunity arises, I recognize, wait a minute. If I'm with God and God is with me, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. It may not look all right right now. And everything may be pointing in the wrong direction. But God is with me and I am with and where do we get this from? We got this from Jesus. Jesus said, Peace, I leave you. Amen. Amen. I, I, I love it. I love it. You know, you watch things on TV and, and movies and everyone wants to hear the wheel. What did I get? Where did you leave me? Some people get disappointed. <laughs> but Jesus said, what I'm going to leave you is I'm going to leave you peace. You may not understand how valuable it is right now at the time that I say this, but trust me, the days are going to come. And you'll be so glad that he left peace. He says, peace I leave you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, he says, don't let your heart be troubled, 
neither let it be afraid. Again, I love that terminology at the end. He said, there will be opportunities to be troubled and to be afraid, but I'll leave you peace. And not any peace, I'll leave you my peace. And we looked at the peace. We looked at a section of the peace of Jesus Christ. We'll turn back there. Mark chapter 4. Keep your ribbon there in Second Chronicles chapter 15, but Mark chapter 4. I don't mind reviewing because I know over the week you hear a lot of information. Some from the church and not some. And some not from the church. Some worth keeping and some worth throwing away. So let's remember what God has said as we enter into new information as well. Mark chapter 4. Verse 35. And the same day when the evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And again, I love this, because they're going from one place to another place. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there was also with them other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And on our journey, we will encounter great storms. We will encounter Things that will make it feel as though we won't make it. But verse 38. And he, Jesus, was in the uh, hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And I just like the phraseology of, uh, of the scriptures, right? He just wasn't asleep. He was asleep on a pillow. He was having a good sleep. And they awake him. Hallelujah. And say to him, I, I love it. He's at peace. They're not. Why don't you have the same unrest that we have? Amen. Um, that's why I tell you. This is, this is why I tell you. There are other people who don't have peace and peace travel, and, and your lack of peace travels. You just can't. You can't keep your lack of peace to yourself. You need to be at unrest like I'm at unrest. You need to have some sense of anxiety like I have a sense of anxiety. You ought to be a little bit afraid. So they wake him up. Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. Now, again, I want you to understand this. When the storms of life rage, he had peace. Amen. I love it. See, because in all honesty, uh, a lot of your lack of peace shows up in your lack of sleep. When something disturbs you, the, one of the first things that goes is the rest. I'm telling you, let's listen to me, people. Wow. Let me, let me keep moving forward. Now, now, one of the things I want you to see here is the peace that he had, but also I want you to understand now that we understand peace, we define peace as I'm with God and God is with me. So that's where his peace came from. Okay. And as we look forward, verse 41, it says, And they feared exceedingly. I'm sorry, verse 40. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is what I want you to understand. You should have peace because you're with him. 
No, you missed that. The storms, the winds, the sea obeyed his voice. No, no, you don't get that. You don't get that. He has the capability to say stop. And it will stop. You're with him. Hallelujah. You are with him. And I want you to understand this because we're balanced with this. And I don't want you to go crazy with this but because sometimes people hear these things and they think, man, if, if I come across fear, if I come across anxiety, if I come across unrest and clamor and noise, I'm a bad believer. No, that's not necessarily what that means. That's not what that means at all. You, you know what that means when you, do, when you do encounter fear and you do encounter unrest? It means you're human. And it means that you have the need of a Prince of Peace. Now, there's a difference between you who are known of him and those who are not known of him. Because in the times when you have run across your fears and your anxieties and they're taking over, you can be brought. See, this is why you come to church, people. Because there's someone to lift up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and remind you who you're with. And bring you back to yourself. And remind you that you're not like everybody else. Because the master of the sea is with you if you be with him. And that is peace. And and let me tell you, when, when you come to God with your fears, when you come to God with your anxiety, remember, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. He is not going to upbraid you. Unless, wow, unless he has to tell you again what he told you before. Y'all talked about Peter on, uh, y'all went to Peter and walking on the water on Sunday evening. Some of you are here for that. You remember that episode in the Bible? One of the famous episodes in the Bible. People don't even know the scriptures, but they know that story. Uh, Well, remember, they saw Jesus and Peter said, if it be you, bid me come. And Jesus said, come on. And he started walking. Now, he did eventually start to sink. And when he sank, you know, Jesus wasn't necessarily the happiest with him because he already had the word. Wow. Now, now he already had the word, but Jesus did not help him. Listen to me. This is very important. This is where the rubber meets the road. You will not always, when I say you, I don't mean you as an individual. I mean the body of Christ at large. There will be sections of us who will encounter things that we, we spoke a good game, but we will encounter these things that will tear us apart. That will hurt us and wound us to a wounding we thought wasn't possible. And in those times, where do we need to go? We need to go back to the Word. We don't need to separate ourselves from the Word. We need to draw closer to the Word. Because in that Word is the peace you need. And from a comfortable position, it is so easy to say, yeah, 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 but trust me. Trust me. 
Some of us will be tried to that point. And you must remember, weeping may endure for a night. Uh, you know, when I, when I hear that, you know that's really in reference to Jesus. The Word was there so that in His trying times, He could go back to the Word and draw strength. Weeping might endure for a night. But you know what? I'm with Him and He's with me. Joy will come in the morning. And now I can be patient. Now I can apply endurance because I'm not alone. Hallelujah. Glory to you. And I'm sorry, this is outstanding to me. This is great to me. Because sometimes we get in uncomfortable situations and we think God wants us out. And it may just be God is just telling you, I'm with you. Stand. Abide. Persevere. Endure. Wow. Keep your peace. Isn't that what Paul found out? When Paul had that thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan sent to buffet him, he said he prayed to God three times, let this thing be removed. And God said, I'm with you. Hallelujah. You, you don't get that, do you? You see, when we talk about Jesus saying, peace, I leave you, he was talking about the Holy Spirit. By the work of the Holy Spirit and the work of God's wonderful grace, we have peace. And God's response to Paul was, my grace. No, no, you don't understand it. My grace, my grace is, my spirit is with you. I'm with you. Paul was doing the work of God. So Paul was with God. And so God's response is, don't move. Remember my grace. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. This to me, again, this is wonderful. See, it's, it's so easy to come here and preach things like, you will always have peace. You will never have trouble. You'll never have difficulties. Things will always go your way. Everybody's always going to like you. Everybody's going to always love you. Anything you ever desire and every prayer you ever made is going to come immediately like that. But that is not the truth. How many of you have lived a life that testified that is not the truth? There are rough times sometimes. And not because we created it, but because it just might be God wants to shine. And He needs somebody to maintain peace so that He might shine. Glory to your name, God. You're in the book of Mark. Turn to Mark chapter 14. I know we're still in review, but sometimes it's good to hone in on some things that we said and bring it out a little bit more. You see, this is why I have a hard time with some things. Okay, this is just me. I'm, I'm letting you know about Brother Mark. I have a hard time with some things. You know, I have a hard time when people are, are praising God because I got clothes. Because I got food on the table. Don't you know, sometimes you might be in a place where there was not food on the table. Is God not faithful now? There might be time when I have to wear hand-me-downs and the hand-me-downs are tore up as is. Does that mean God is not faithful? 
See, believers should have peace. We have believers out there looking for... See, here's the peace of the world. Jesus said, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Here's the peace of the world. My external condition. And so if my external condition is not favorable, I can't have rest. And we have believers who will not rest until their external conditions are successful in this world. To me, that's sorry. To me, that's sad. That is so sorry. That's why Job, don't, don't laugh at Job. Don't make fun of Job. Because Job said, if nothing else, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Because Job had a lot, and then he lost it all. But he would not curse God. Now, to me, that's a belief. And the enemy, again, this is spiritual warfare. The enemy comes to you to get you to act outside of the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he knows that if you will not equip yourself with this information, he can easily undo you with external conditions. Don't fall for that. Mark chapter 14. Let's start at verse 53. I I want to give you another section of the peace of Jesus. See, because this peace, he left us. We should be able to have rest in the storms of our life. Mark chapter 14, verse 53 says, And they led Jesus away to the high priest. So, so you know what's going on here, right? Now we're, we're entering into Christ being offered up as the Lamb of God. This is why he came. And they led Jesus away to the high priest. And with him were assembled all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes. And Peter followed him afar off, even into the palace of the high priest. I'm sorry, but again, let me go back to verse 53. I just want you to see this. And they led Jesus. They led Jesus away to the high priest. So there is the high priest. And with him were assembled all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes. These were the authorities in the law. At that time, that was their word. These were the authorities in the word. They're all there assembled to judge Jesus. Now, I want you to think about that. Jesus came forth from the Father. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And you know what? There's not a thing that is made that he didn't make. And they're leading the Lord of glory into their midst so that they might judge him. That is something else. Again, I want you to put yourself. Again, you're not Jesus. You are not. But you can imagine if you were and you were in that situation. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. I know you did not. Let me tell you about yourselves and put you to shame. Verse 54. And Peter followed him afar off, even into the palace of the high priest. And he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. Wow, again, I want you to understand this. this to me, this, this minister, and I apologize for this, but sometimes these things jump out and I can't just 
run past it. But Peter, we know, is afraid. But after the Spirit comes, I just want to, some of you heard me before and understand what I mean by that. See, it's by the work of the Spirit and the work of grace that we now have the peace of Christ. That time had not yet come. So you can criticize Peter if you want to. But you have the Spirit and don't have his boldness that he had with the Spirit. And so Peter followed him afar off, even into the palace of the high priest. And he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. And the chief priests and all the council sought for witness against Jesus. Again, I love it. They, with all their word knowledge, couldn't just by the word confound them. They had to find witnesses. And the chief priests and all the council sought for witness against Jesus to put him to death and found none. For many bear false witness against him, but their witness agreed not together. Wow, to me this is just, the Lord of glory is being lied on. And I don't know about you, again, this is just me, but I will tell you, one of the difficulties I do have is that someone's going to falsely accuse me in front of other people. You, you, you really don't. I get, you know, someone has to take me back to the Word, because at that time I will need peace. You don't go and lie on me, not, not in my integrity, and put a bad word out there about me in front of other people. This is the Lord of glory. Who am I to get mad? This is the Lord of glory they're lying on. For many bear false witness against him, but their witness agreed not together. And again, remember, these are scholars of the law, so they have, to, they have to have at least two words that agree. Two or three have to be agreed. Otherwise, it's no good. Verse 57. And there arose certain and bear false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. But neither so did their witness agree together. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? All these lies, and you're not justifying yourself. Not against one of these lies. And I love verse 61. But he held his peace. And I know we see it as like a colloquial saying. That means he didn't say anything. No, no, that means when you don't say anything, you're keeping your peace. I'm sorry, this, 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 is, real world, this is real world teaching going on. In the midst of the lies, the Lord of glory did not justify himself in the midst of the lies. And if he had, he would not be holding his peace. When they lie on you, when you have upheld the standard of God, when you have walked in righteousness and they have tried to embarrass you and lie on you, do not justify yourself because if you do, you will not hold your peace. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't hear not a one amen on that one. Oh, not a one. I didn't even hear the whimper of an amen. No, no, no. This is the peace of Jesus. He says, peace, I leave you. My peace, I give unto you. Amen. 
Amen. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I don't know about all that, brother. It's going to take me a few days to meditate and marinate that and let that marinate on me because, you know, I just cannot say nothing. By the work of the Holy Spirit, by the work of His wonderful grace, you can. And why will you be able to hold your peace? I'm telling you, I love this. I do love this. And these things have encouraged me in times past. I remember David and King Saul. And I remember King Saul came against David without a just cause. And I remember David would not say a bad word concerning Saul. I remember that David spared King Saul's life when his life was there for the taking. And I remember when King Saul saw that, that King Saul said, Now, what in the world is going on here? You have done me good, and I'm coming after you. And David said, Now, if I've done anything wrong, let God be the judge. And in and, and, and my mind, that tells me David is convinced. I've walked with God all this time, and I know God is with me. So I don't have to rail against you like you rail against me. I can act lovely toward you when you have acted everything but lovely toward me. And what knowest thou? That if God is not doing a wonderful and a great and a mighty work through your abiding in the character and in the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's going to bring them and many others to see the light. And in that day to come, and that day is going to come, when He will reward His saints, and you'll find out, even though you may never have witnessed it, by your standing, many have come to Christ. Well done, thou good and thou faithful servant. But he held his peace and answered nothing. He held his peace. And again, I like that. See, because this is where we're going. If you have to hold your peace, that means you can lose it. And we looked at the benefits of God's presence. And again, I believe David understood God's presence. He said, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. If you gave me the choice, I'll give you a thousand or I'll give you one. Whatever has God's presence, I'll take it, whether it's one or the thousand. I'd rather lie at the doorstep. Wow. Of the court of my God. Than to dwell in tents. To dwell in my own place. See, at the, at, the, at the doorstep, at the threshold, that's where servants lie. Amen. Glory to you. Again, this is why I'm telling you, don't get caught up with all these people trying to tell you that believers are supposed to have this, that, and this. What you should have is peace. If you don't have this, that, and this, at least have peace. Because this, that, and this are subjects to be here today and gone tomorrow. But peace should be yours always. And we said now, when we looked at peace, again, if, we, if God is with us, if we just be in His presence, 
He will make us lie down in green pastures. See, when we're with him, he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Amen. And I love it because don't think you don't have enemies. But he's with you. Who cares about the enemies? See, when we're with him and he's with us, he hides us in the secret places. See, when he's with us, to me, again, these things just encourage me. And, and hopefully they encourage you. But when he's with us, I hear him speak to Abraham after the slaughter of Kettle Armor. After he turned down, taking the, the, uh, 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 the goods of Sodom. I hear God say to Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. That's when I'm with him and he's with me. And again, to me, that is what produces peace. That's what he came to. When Abraham was having a tough time, he came and spoke peace to Abraham. I'm your shield. I'm your exceeding great reward. My goodness. And you know, when you realize that, here's the thing about it. God's not saying that just so you shut up. God's saying that because if you have need, I want you to come to me. His eyes run to and fro throughout this whole earth, looking to, to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Some of us have failed to realize that we should be with him and he should be with us. And if that is the case, then I can go to him and I can ask. I'm sorry, people, but this, this is not coming to you. When Jesus raised Lazarus, he said, God, I thank you that you hear me. But I know that you always hear me. That's peace. Amen. I'm sorry. This, to me again, this is remarkable. This is outstanding because we have people who are shaky in prayers because you lack this peace. You're not sure if God hears you or not. You're not sure if He's with you. And you're not sure if you're with Him. But we're supposed to have the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Second Chronicles chapter 15. Because we said this, we have to understand, with all that that comes with God's presence... That's what we call it. If I'm with God and God is with me, that is having God's presence. With all that comes with that, we just must understand that God is not going to be mocked. There is balance here. Second Chronicles chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded. Amen. And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa. Asa is the king. And said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while ye be with him. And again, I love that. The Lord is with you while ye be with him. Let me read that again. I love it. The Lord is with you while ye be with him. 
And if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. And all he's saying here is, I don't owe you my presence. Amen. I'm sorry. God doesn't owe us. What does he owe us? What does he owe us? If truth be told. What does he owe us? Our debt is a debt of sin. And God's permanent attitude towards sin is wrath. So if we want what is owed us by God, then we can have wrath. But by His mercy and His grace, because of His great love wherewith He has loved us, we're free from that debt. And so never think that God owes us anything. And I know we'll say it because we know what to say in the church. But we don't live like we know. And we live as though God is obligated to be found when we seek Him. This is what I told you before. You can't take for granted that because you're with God now, that He will automatically stay with you no matter how you conduct yourself. Look at this in Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14. <clears throat> now next month is Pastor's Appreciation Month and we are going to have some other things going on on Wednesday nights. And in all honesty, I'm going to leave this teaching after tonight for a while. But I will be back. I will be back. And we've got a lot of ways to go. Numbers chapter 14. God does not owe you His presence. Numbers chapter 14. Wow. Numbers chapter 14, verse 39. We'll read from verse 39 through the end. Excuse me. <coughs> it's not completely gone. It's almost gone. I'm almost there. <coughs> Excuse me. But there's still a little bit coughing and too much blowing in my nose. But anyway. Verse 39. And Moses told these things unto all the children of Israel and the people mourned greatly. Now I have to explain this. Here in Numbers chapter 14. This is after they had sent forth the spies to spy out the land. And the majority of the spies brought back an evil report. Now again, they had God's word to begin with. And you should go back and read it. I'm not going to. I had planned on going to. But you should go back and read it. And read why. Wow. I'm sorry. I, I wouldn't plan on going, but I'll go there. Uh, Numbers chapter 14, verses 8 through 9. I'm sorry, verses 7 through 9. So, so they're bringing back this evil report, and they're going crazy. They're acting out of their head. In verse 7, we have Joshua and Caleb standing up, and they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, 
then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land. Do you hear? They had lost their peace. He says, don't fear, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them. And listen to this. And the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Again, this is why I love this definition of peace. Because if I'm with God and God is with me, then what do I have to fear? So Caleb and Joshua are telling the congregation, don't lose your peace. Remember, God is with us. So they're bred for us. And so, and turn back to verse 39. But, and so they're trying to hold on and get, get these people to hold their peace, but they're going crazy. And here's the thing about God's response. I, I hear people talk about the book of Numbers. Hey, we're not in the book of Numbers, so don't count. But it's amazing to me. God counts. I'm sorry, but to, to me, God counts. And, you know, we're familiar that he knows us by the very numbers of hairs on our head. You know, that's so sweet. But when they attempted God in rebelling against him, telling them to take the land, he told Moses, it's the tenth time, Moses. I'm sorry. It's the tenth time. God kept count. This is the tenth time they have worked my patience. And I'm sorry, but God did not God tell them that they would be His people? He would be their God? He cut covenant with them. They had to keep their end of the covenant. But at this time they didn't, and God starts to count. Again, I, I can just see it to me. This is my imagination running wild, but God says, this is the tenth time. That's mad. When God brings out the numbers, be afraid. Be <laughs> very afraid. And then not only that, and so Moses stands in the gap. Thank God for Moses, the representative of Christ at the time. And then after that, God says, okay, 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 no problem. He starts to count again. He says, well, now how long did they search the land? Forty days? Forty years they're going to be in the wilderness so their children can wait for them to die. They're in the promised land. Moses, go tell them. So Moses just got through telling them this. So in verse 39... And Moses told these sayings unto all the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. Wow. Let's keep reading. Verse 40. And they rose up early in the morning. You know what early in the morning means? I'm serious now. Uh, again, and their morning means, God, we know you're going to do us like that. We thought we could behave however we wanted to, and you were obligated to be with us. But now that we see how you are, we're going to be serious now. So they rose up early in the morning and got them up into the top of the mountain, saying, Lo, we be here, and we'll go up into the place which the Lord hath promised, for we have sinned. And Moses said, <laughs> Wherefore now do you transgress the commandment of the Lord, but it shall not prosper? I'm sorry, but again, to me, this, Moses is their preacher. So they come to service one day, and Moses said, God said, you searched it for 40 days, so for 40 years you're wandering in this wilderness, and you will die. 
But your children will say, man, what a word we had on this Sunday. The preacher preached. And then they come and say, okay, Moses, we're going to get it right. And Moses come with another message. It's not going to prosper. We want to find another church. There's not another church in the wilderness. <laughs> and Moses said, verse 41, Wherefore now do ye transgress the commandment of the Lord, but it shall not prosper? Go not up, for the Lord is not among you. Do you see that? Don't go up. Why not? Because God's not with you. And remember, we found out Moses said, Now, now God, who's gonna, where are you going to take us and who's going to lead us? And God said, oh, my spirit will go, my presence will go with you. And Moses said, good, because if you weren't going, I wasn't going. And so now they're to a place where they want to go. And Moses said, uh-uh-uh, God's not with you. So you know where Moses did? He's like, I ain't going with you either. You on your own. This one, the pastor's not going to be at this function, okay? Don't look for me. Don't save me a seat. I don't need a special table. I'm not going to be there. Verse 42, Go not up, for the Lord is not among you, that you be not spitten before your enemies. For the Malachites and the Canaanites are there before you, and you shall fall by the sword, because you're turned away from the Lord. Therefore the Lord will not be with you. But they presumed to go up unto the hilltop. They presumed. They said, no, no, no. Oh my goodness. This is great. Because in messages, when God gives us messages in this modern day, and He tells us to judge ourselves and correct ourselves, we presume that he's going to have a special place, special section in his heart to add some more forgiveness to our rebellion. And we presume to go about our business not attending to what God told us to attend to, and then we wonder, God, what happened? But they presume to go up. You know what presumption is? Presumption is taking liberties that you really don't have. Not that you can't. You can, but it won't prosper. Because you're doing it without God's okay. Amen. I'll, glory to your name. See, because some things we do, and we're not going to ask God about it. I, again, that, that's one of those places I never get an amen on. I, I understand. There's something we're just not going to ask God. We just don't do it. We'll, we'll catch up with God later. But you know the end of that thing. Because God is not with you. In all honesty, wow, wow. That thing that you went after, God may not have had anything against it. It just might have been the wrong time. <sighs> but they presumed to go up into the hilltop. Nevertheless, the ark of the covenant of the Lord and Moses departed not out of the camp. Told you. Moses, I ain't going with you. Don't worry about me. Most of we got a spot for you up front. Please. I ain't going with you. <laughs> then the Amalekites came down, and the Canaanites which dwelt in the hill, and smote them, and discomfited them even unto Hormah. And then let's move on. Again, it's just so anticlimactic. Exactly what Moses told them was going to happen, happened. But they did it anyway. They said, Moses... Surely God's still going to be with us. Surely God's still going to fight for us. God doesn't owe you His presence. 
See, this was Samson's downfall. See, he presumed... Turn to Judges chapter 16. Judges chapter 16. Just a... Your numbers, it's not too far away. Judges chapter 16. This is... Samson. I'm telling you, Samson is a type of the church. He really is. See, because God is good. And I'm sorry, God is good. God is good. Remember King Saul was around the prophets and started to prophesy? You know what happened? He caught a residue of the Spirit of God. That's how good and how powerful and how awesome our God is. You see, because God will touch your life immediately and you can live off the residue for a little while. And so, God had touched Samson and Samson tried to live off the residue. Because Samson would do his own thing regardless of what God had said. And I know everybody thinks it's his hair, but trust me, God's not limited by hair. The hair represented his sanctification. And he had forsaken his sanctification a long time ago. And he was living off the residue. See, sometimes we live off the residue and we think because we're living in the residue, God might, must be alright with how we're living. And we just don't understand his residue is his long suffer. But God said, I'm with you as long as you're with me. Yeah, you'll find me when you seek me, unless you forsake me. Then you won't find me. See, see what we're looking for is something immediate to correct us. When God said, no, go back to the word, because that word has not changed. Judges chapter 16, verse 20. Oh boy, and Delilah is something else, ain't she? She is something else. And she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. I mean, how many times does she have to do this? And he stays there. See, that, that's a, I'm telling you, that's, that's a type of the church that needs to correct itself. We keep going back to the same thing and nothing happens to us. But God is still preaching and ministering to us. Get away. Come away. Be separate, saith the Lord. But we keep going back to it, thinking that because nothing immediate happened, nothing has changed, but the residue is running out. This is why I tell you, to me, this again, to me, this was the Spirit of God. A second chance is a potential last opportunity. When God comes to you a second time telling you the same thing He told you before, this just might be your last opportunity. And don't be mad at God when you find out that was the last opportunity because you tried it again. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he was not. He did not know that the Lord was not with him. The Lord was departed from him. So God was with him to begin with, but he lived his life the way he wanted to. Disrespected God's commandments and his standard. 
did his own thing. He lived off the residue. And then one day he woke up and said, I'm going to do like I did every other time. Oh, God is done. I've come to the end of how much God was going to allow me to get away with. Just like they presumed. Samson presumes. And sometimes we presume. This is why I turn to Deuteronomy chapter 7. This is why those who think they stand, wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth, take heed, lest he fall. This is why I t- I'm, 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 I'm so on you about this, okay? I, this is in my mind, this is in my heart, this is in my spirit. Judge yourself. Stop judging others. We're so good at finding out the flaws in everybody else's walk, but fail to judge ourselves. So I tell you, those that you're judging, they are probably with God when you left them a long time ago. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Judge yourself. And I'm not saying you're in some place right now uh, where God is through with you. I'm saying don't take for granted. Stay humble. Remember, if not for His grace, where would you be? Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, He is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love Him and keep His commandments to a thousand generations and repayeth them that hate Him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack to him that hateth Him. He will repay him to his face. Now those are... That scripture, ever since I first read that, I will never forget that scripture. Because verse 9 sounds like, oh my, that's my God. God is so faithful. Oh, he keeps, he just loves me and, and I love him and, you know, he's going to keep covenant. And then he says, but I'm going to repay those who hate me to their face. It's, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. He has given of his grace. Oh, here we go. See, now we need to get into some balance about grace. I don't have much time, so I'll end here. I was hearing some things here recently. Another ministry was ministering. And I heard it. Didn't hear the beginning of it necessarily. Didn't hear the end of it. And I heard it. And it was on grace. And I said, yeah. But if you don't know, just hearing this would leave the wrong impression. It would leave the impression that no matter what you do, grace covers you. Now, that's not exactly what they said, but if I did not know the scriptures myself and only heard what I heard, that's the impression that was left. And that is wrong. That impression is wrong. Again, where they're going, I don't know. And so hopefully they, they straighten it out. But we need balance with this thing. Because people get caught up in that we're not 
under the law. And that is a true statement. We're not under the law. We have entered into the dispensation of grace. And grace is not the law. Thank God that it is not the law. But what we've gone is, what has happened is we've gone from the old covenant and we've entered into the new covenant. We know it as the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I got a question for you. Old Testament, New Testament. God and man are in one place in the Old Testament. God and man are in another place in the New Testament. Who changed? Any ideas? Who changed? Neither God nor man changed. Definitely God cannot change. But man is still subject to commit sin. What changed between the Old Testament and the New Testament is that the Lamb slain before the foundation of this world came, fulfilled the Scriptures, lived without sin, laid his life down, poured out his blood, and now the blood has been applied to man. But God hasn't changed. Man has now just entered into grace because of the goodness of our God and His plan that has been exacted through the Lord Jesus Christ. So if God hasn't changed, and man hasn't changed, that means God's attitude towards sin has not changed. That means the law is still His righteous standard. And the expectation is not that now that we have the blood applied, now we're free to live however we want to live outside of the law. We have now received grace. No, that was grace. Christ coming. Paying for your sin. Having the blood applied. Cleansing heaven for you. Sending down the Holy Spirit to minister to us for a lifetime. That is grace. And that grace was provided because without grace, man could not behave himself righteously on a continual basis. And so now grace has come so that we can. Again, we miss it sometimes. This is really not that difficult. It is real simple. Grace came so that I might please God. And in my attempts to please God before grace came, I came up empty. But now I've found that His grace is sufficient. His grace is a game changer. Now, whereas I could not please Him, now I can live a life that pleases Him who provided grace so that this might be done. Which sounds totally different than no matter what I do, grace covers me. I'm out of time. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.